Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, let's grab our Bibles as we take our seats and open your Bible to the book of Jeremiah. Amen. Jeremiah chapter number one, please. Open your Bible to Jeremiah chapter number one. Are you there? Is it on the screen? Jeremiah 1 verse number 4. Jeremiah 1 verse 4. It says here, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born... I sanctified you, I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, O Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you, And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Look at verse 5 again. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. How many of you guys know that God knew you before you were formed in the womb? Say, God knew me before the womb. Say, I existed before the womb. So if God knew you before the womb, where were you? Where did he know you from? Hello? He must have known you from somewhere if he knew you before the womb. So if God knew you before the womb, that means the womb is not the first place you existed. That suggests to us that you probably existed somewhere before the womb where God knew you. Hello? And then he says, before you were born. So now he knew you before the womb. And then he says, before you were born, I sanctified you. And we know the word sanctification, sanctified is to be set apart. Amen? So he says, I set you apart. I separated you. Then he says, I ordained you. The word ordained means to be authorized. To be authorized. So God knew you. God set you apart. And God authorized you. Now, there's two questions that I like to ask there. One, where did he know me? Two, what did he set me apart for? Amen? Where did he know me and what did he set me apart for? Now, let's find out quickly where God knew us. And let's go to Ephesians. We'll come back to Jeremiah. Let's go now find out. 
Where did he know us from? Ephesians chapter 1 gives us an idea or an answer to this question. Ephesians 1, let's start reading from verse 3. Ephesians 1 verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Say, I'm blessed. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Say, I'm blessed. With every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Continue. Just as he chose us. Say, I've been chosen. So the Bible says God chose us. Amen? The Bible says God chose us. You did not choose God. God chose you. Say this. Say, I did not choose God. God chose me. Whether you accept his choice of you or not, that does not change the fact that he chose you. Whether you respond to him or not, that does not change the fact that he chose you. You are God's. In other words, you belong to God whether you accept it or not. You are his. Not because you deserve it. You are his not because you have earned it. You are his not because you are a good Christian. You are his because he chose you. Yes, there is a benefit for us choosing him back. But whether we choose him back or not, we are still his. Listen, uh, uh, you are your parents' children, whether you like it or not. Even when you run away from home, you are still your, your parents' children. You, that does not change. You accepting that they are your parents and you obeying them as parents and you accepting them and treating them as your parents, or not, that does not change that they are your parents. You may not like them. You may, not, you may like the parents next door. You may run away and become a street kid. But you are still your parents' child. Isn't it so? They, did, they don't need your involvement when it comes to the fact that you are their children. Even God, God does not need your involvement. Eh? You are his child. You are his child. So, he chose us. Now, Look at where he chose us. We chose us where? Come on, help me read now. He chose us where? He chose us where? I don't want to know when. I said where. Please read. He chose us where? He chose us where? Yes, baby. Tell them. He chose us where, baby? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He chose us in him. Where did God choose us? Where did God choose us? Where did we exist before our mother's womb? In him who? 
So if God chose us in him, that means that's where he knew us before the womb. God knew us first in him. And check when did we exist in him? When? Continue. When? Was your mom there before the foundation of the world? Was your mom there? Was your dad there? Who was there before the foundation of the world? Only God was there. Before anything, God was. And where God was, you were. And you were in him. So in other words, you used to hang around with God in him. You used to fellowship with God in him. You knew his voice in him. That's why man is going up and down today, mankind. is going up and down today. They're looking for something. They have an idea of what they're looking for. But everything they try does not match what they're looking for. They can get a lot of money, still they're in want. They can have a lot of women, they are still in want. They can travel all the world, they are still in want. But until they find God, that's when they settle down. Because when they find God, they find themselves. They find who? themselves. Say, without God, I'm confused. We are confused without God. We don't even know ourselves without God. It's only when we come to God that all of a sudden there's contentment. Hello? There's peace. So he says, just as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world. Let's go back to Jeremiah. I made my point. Jeremiah 1. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Okay? Now check this out. Before you were born, I set you apart. I ordained you. And he said to Jeremiah... I'll send you what? A prophet to the nations. Now look at Jeremiah's response. Jeremiah says, but Lord, behold, I cannot speak because I'm just youth. So I don't know, according to Jeremiah's experience, probably prophets were not youth and prophets speak. So when God tells him that I've ordained you a prophet, he says, but hold on, I can't speak. When God says, I've ordained you a prophet, he said, hold on, I'm a youth. Because according to his experience, prophets are not youth and prophets speak. So God asks him a question. Go to the next verse. He first corrects him. He says, but the Lord said to him, do not say, I'm a youth. In other translations, he says, who told you you are a youth? He said, who told you? Who, whose Bible says that? Who told you you are a youth? So in other words, where do you get your information from? Whatever that you believe, where do you get it from? 
Who told you that prophets are only adults? Who told you that prophets are those that only speak fluently? Because remember, Jeremiah was a stutter. King stutter so it's like, Lord, how am I going to speak Ngingis? It's like the Lord telling me, Abby, I've called you to preach. And I'm like, Lord, Ngingis. And I'm not making fun of it. I'm just demonstrating that Jeremiah thought, I can't do this thing because, you know, I'm not a fluent talker. And God says, that does not stop me from using you. Who told you that I can't use you if you can't? He says, I'll put my words in your mouth and you will go and speak. He did not say, I will change your problem. He didn't say, I'll change your problem. He said, you will speak. So there's a lot of ideas that we have about God and who God should use. And there's a lot of things that we're limiting ourselves from because of our ideas that we don't, we don't get from the word of God. Hello? That we don't get from the word of God. Some of you guys, if God was to come and tell you what he has called you to do, you would fight him. You really fight him. Because you will give him a list of excuses why you cannot be what God says you are. Why? Because you believe you are who you think you are or what society has told you that you are. Your circumstances. Hello? So he said to Jeremiah, don't say that you are a youth, but you shall go to all whom I send you. Pella, in Jeremiah's excuse, he's saying, God, you can't send me. I can't represent you. I can't speak on your behalf. I can't be used by you. Say, don't give God excuses. Let's go to Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29. In verse 11. He says, for I know the plans that I have towards you. Say, God knows... The plans he has for me. Say this. Say, God has plans for me. Do you believe that? Say, God has plans for me. Say, I am in God's plans. He says, for I know the thoughts... I know the plans that I have towards you or the thoughts that I have towards you, says the Lord. He says, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. To give you what? A future and a hope. Other translation says, to give you an expected end. To give you an expected end. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord, plans of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. 
Now my question is, whose Bible says to give you an expected end? Is it your Bible? Please read it out loud. Very clear. Stand up. Read it. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Say this. Say there is an end that is expected for me. Who is expecting this end? God is expecting this end. It's not the end that you are expecting. You don't know it. It's not the plan that you are expecting because you don't know it. It's the plan that he has for you and he's the one who's expecting it. God is in faith for you. Hello? Let's go, let's go again to Ephesians 1. It's an end that God is expecting for you. Ephesians 1 again. Go to Ephesians 1 verse 16. 16. Are you there? Go to 15. Go to 14. No, I think your Bible is wrong. Let me see in my Bible. Verse 16. All right? Paul says, I do not cease to give thanks for you. Amen? In other words, I don't stop giving thanks. I don't stop giving thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. That the Lord God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. Paul says, I continue to pray that the Lord may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And he says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. Say, God wants me to know the hope of my calling. Whose hope? Say, God wants me to know the hope of my calling. Put it on the screen, guys. Verse 18. Verse 18. God wants me to know the hope of his calling. His calling on who? His calling on me. Whose hope? His hope on what? On his calling on me. So, God has a hope in calling me. God called me with a hope. And this hope that he has is the one that Jeremiah is talking about that he is expecting. Are you with me? He says he's got plans for us, not of evil, but of peace. To give us an expected end. Ephesians says he has called us. He says, Paul says he prayed that our eyes, the eyes of our hearts may be enlightened. We may see, we may understand in order that we may know, we may know the hope. There is a hope. We need to know the hope to which he has called you. There is a hope 
to which he has called you. God is hoping to gain something in calling you. Not us. Yes, there, is, there are benefits for us responding to the call. But as much as there are benefits for us responding to the call, there are benefits for God also in us being obedient to the call. Without us, God is limited. Yeah, I know, I know, I know you probably want to challenge me on that. God could not do what he wanted to do without Jesus. God needed Jesus. God cannot do what he needs to do without you. God needs you. God needs us. Yes, if you're not obedient, you'll go to someone next door. But God always needs a man. Or a person. And I say man, I mean mankind, right? Not males. God always needs a man. The Bible says, I sought for a man to stand in the gap. I looked for a man. Are you with me? So, when God wants to meet the needs of a nation, he looks for a vessel. When God wants to do something in the nation, he needs for, he, he looks for people that will pray. When God wants to bless you, he will use someone to do it on his behalf. Or he will do it through someone. God is not going to come down himself and do things. No, he needs us. So when we cooperate with God, then God's mission comes to pass. If you refuse to cooperate with God, God is limited. Hello? That's why he will walk with you. He'll be patient with you. He will encourage you. He will forgive you. He will give you another chance and another chance because he has an expected end. Until you reject him completely and you don't want to cooperate. But God does not turn his back on you just like that. He's not like people. People turn their back on you just like that. God does not. But when he does, and he moves to the next person, for instance, if I did not cooperate with God to come to Rodiport, God would have went to someone else. How many of you guys know um, the late uh, Ronhard Bonke? The evangelist Ronhard Bonke. God was using him mightily, won millions to the Lord. In Africa, he was an evangelist. He was a German man, but he was called to Africa. Go Google him. He had huge crusades, millions and millions of people. He was giving his testimony on how he was called by the Lord. And the Lord called him, and he gave God excuses. And the Lord said to him, Bonke, you are not the first man that I'm calling for this assignment. He says, I went to so-and-so. They didn't obey. 
I went to this one. They didn't obey. I'm coming to you. If you do not obey, I will move to someone else. God has got many, many of his children. Some are willing to obey. Some are finding excuses. Some are just unwilling. I don't want to get to heaven and God shows me the plans that he had for me. And he said, you missed out on all this because you refused to cooperate. Imagine. There is also a teaching by John Bevere. John Bevere, he says, on judgment day, he says, imagine this happens on judgment day. And God is having a meeting with all of us, his children. And we are about to receive our rewards. Remember, at the end of our lives, we're going to hear one of two things. Well done, good and faithful servant, enter down into the joy of the Lord. Or depart from me, you lazy and wicked servant, I never knew you. We're going to hear either one of the two. I want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. I don't want to hear well done and good and faithful pastor. Uh -uh. I want to hear well done, good and faithful servant. I want God to say you served me well. I don't want to hear, depart from me, you lazy. Lazy and wicked. Wicked means evil. I never knew you. And I said, but, but Lord, I preached Jesus on the pulpit to your people. He said, yes. I never knew you. But Lord, I, I led many to the Lord. The visitor's room had salvations every weekend. Yes, still. Lord, I laid hands on the sick and the sick. I cast out demons. That's why John Bevere says, on judgment day, imagine this is happening. God, or Jesus, is looking and he's standing in front of all of his children. And he says, he's about to reward his children. And he says, Can we have, <laughs> I'm looking who I can use an example with, <laughs> and he says, can we have, can I have pastor, and when I say your name, ne, I want you to stand up, I want you to stand up, so now God is saying to all of us, can we have Pastor Muahi Mukheti? Pastor Muahi. Muahi, please stand up. So, and he does exactly what he did. Before he stood up, he looked to the left, he looked to the right, <laughs> as if he's, he knows this is his name. And then he stands up and then he says, Jesus, Jesus. Um, I am Mwahi Mkheti. Kinna Mkheti. But I'm not a pastor. But that's my name. He says, yes, you are. Because that's the plan I had for you. And you did not obey to my plan. So I address you according to the plan I had, not the plans that you lived for. And then he said, where are my sheep that I have called you to shepherd? 
And he said, Lord, what sheep? And I was just going to church, Pastor Abby was preaching. Yes, but you are supposed to be groomed by him so that you may be sent out because I had sheep that are now in hell because you did not respond to my plan. So you will be account- he's accountable. And then he says, can I have <laughs> can I have kingdom financier kingdom financier huh? kingdom financier Mtolo, please stand up. Kingdom financier Mtolo. He's still not standing up. Mtolo. Yeah, because it's like I'm not a kingdom financier. He's doing exactly what's going to happen at the end. Kingdom financier Mtolo. Where are you? Stand up. This is an example, ain't it? I'm not saying you're a pastor. <laughs> Maybe you are. I don't know. Kingdom financier. And then, Pastor Mtolo, he says, Jesus, Jesus. I am Master Mutolo. But I'm not a kingdom financier, sir. I mean, I'm an evangelist. I've brought millions of people to the kingdom. He said, Master Mutolo, I did not call you to be an evangelist. I did not call you to bring millions of souls to the kingdom. I called you to bring millions of money to the kingdom. Because of your money, millions of churches would have been planted. Because I've deposited an anointing for finances in you. And you did not use it. So the millions did not come. And as a result, we were not able to finance the churches. All the millions of souls that would have came because of the millions that you have deposited into the kingdom would have been to your account, but you are just grateful of the millions of souls. Imagine millions of churches bringing millions of souls. How much would that have been? Hmm? And then God goes on to say, <laughs> uh-uh, sir. Uh-uh. in judgment day, you don't rush to sit down. You don't have the privilege of sitting down. You keep standing, sir. He's in a rush. He wants to sit down. (laughs) And then he says, Can I have (laughs) prophetess? Prophetess Mamiki Nkomo. Please stand up. Prophetess Mamiki, Ngomo, please stand up. My Mickey Sloan was like, me? And then Mamiki stands up and says, Jesus, I am Mamiki Ngomo, but I'm not a prophetess. He said, Yes, you are. Because that's who I've called you to be, that's what I've anointed you to be. He said, no, Lord. I was working for a very successful company looking after my children. You said we should raise children in the ways of the Lord. That's what I did. No! I anointed you to go and speak my word. 
to be used as a vessel in my kingdom. And you did your own things because of whatever that happened in your surroundings. Depart from me, you lazy and wicked servant. For I never knew you. But Lord, but Lord, I came, I came to church. I was saving at greater works. You guys don't like this, ne? I must not go deeper. Amen? Thank you guys. Sit down, sit down. I'm just giving a picture of how our plans can get us into trouble and actually our plans can be a distraction for the plan that God has for us. So we need to find out the plan of God for our lives. Amen? Let's not run after things that are not necessarily God's plan for our lives. Let's make sure that whatever we do, not everybody is called for ministry, yes, but everybody is called to give into ministry one way or the other. There are those that are called for the fivefold ministry, but those that are called to support the fivefold ministry. I believe every person, everybody, has to give in to ministry. Ministry is God's vision. It's God's plan. Or ministry is God's mission. Is how God will bring his vision to pass. And all of us are supposed to be involved in it. We are all called to contribute to ministry with our gifts, with our talents, our skills, our finances, our ideas, our time, our resources. You cannot live your life where everything concerning your life does not somewhere, somehow give in to God's mission. You can't. You can't live like that. When you live like that, listen to me, you're living under a curse. Somewhere in your life, somewhere in whatever that you do, God's plan must benefit. And when you are contributing to God's vision, when you are contributing to God's mission, then God contributes to your things. Why would we expect God to bless us, but we never want to get involved with his plans? Why should God bless you? And when you take the blessings of God and you go and you get the devil to benefit from them. Why? God will bless everything that we do. Especially when what we do contributes to his plan. And what is God's plan? To reconcile the world to him. God wants all his children, even those that are in clubs and those that are in, doing prostitution, those that are doing drugs, those that are in jail, they are all God's children. And God wants them back in a relationship with him. 
And God is depending on us, the ones who are already found. Remember, we were lost. We were also lost. And we were prayed into the kingdom or we were financed into the kingdom. Some of us, people used to pick us up and take us to church. So they were sowing into God's plan by using their cars and their petrol and their time to drive us to church. So they were contributing into God's plan. And by being taken to church, some of us, we accepted the Lord and God changed our lives and we grew up in the things of God and we became pastors who God now is using to preach to many. If someone never took me to church and I never heard the gospel and I never responded to the gospel, I would not be here now preaching the very gospel. And if you do not respond to the gospel, God's plan gets stuck. And if you allow your pains and your problems and your whatever that you go through to distract God's plan in your life, God's mission gets stuck. And when God's mission gets stuck, where you were supposed to be a part of it, a contributor to it, how then do we stand before God and say, Lord, we cannot live selfish lives where it's all about us, our children, and no, nothing else. Pastor Theo puts it this way. He said, don't be like Jimmy where you pray, Father, give me all you can give me. My children, nothing else, just me. We can't live like that. Hello? We've been called for people. God is in the business of people. Mercedes-Benz is in the business of cars. Pick and pay is in the business of food. Foshin is in the business of clothes. God is in the business of people. We do people. We love people. We are kind to people. We forgive people. We give people a second chance. We open doors for people. We bless people. We pray for people. We encourage people. We uplift people. We walk with people. We disciple people. It's all about people. God is not in the business of self. If you are about yourself, God is not there. In fact, he resists self. Because self is pride. He resists the proud and he gives grace to the humble. God is in people business. When we come here every Friday to pray at night, we pray for people. We pray for God's plan. I'm not preparing messages to preach here for myself. What am I getting for preaching for myself? No, I am representing God and I'm standing here to be used as God's, God's mouthpiece to speak his word to his people. The Bible says, how can they hear if there's no preacher? And how can there be a preacher if there's no one that is sent? And how can they be sent if they don't what? Give me the scripture. Someone look for the scripture for me. Let's, let's code the scripture properly. Where is it? 
Proverbs, Proverbs, Romans 10, verse. Okay. Get ready to go to Romans 10. Get ready to go to there is There is this thing on Facebook today. It says, they've got t-shirts there. It says, I did not leave the church. No. I did not leave God, I left the church. No? Yeah, I did not leave God, I leave the church. How stupid can we be and still breathe? Hmm. Hello? How do you see? You did not leave. Listen, you leave church, you left God. God, because church is God's way. Church is God's way. Church is God's method. No, but there's a lot of things that are happening wrong in the church. There's a lot of things that are happening wrong at your work, but you don't leave. But you don't leave. You still go there every weekend. But there's a lot of things that are wrong that are happening there. So now, are we going to stop doing God's idea because some people are doing it wrong? How will people call on God in whom they have not believed in? I added a few things to get more understanding. All right? How will people believe in God in whom they have not believed in? And how will they believe in God of whom they have not heard of? How will we believe, believe in God that you have never heard of? And how will they hear of God without a messenger? A messenger. A preacher. A messenger. Say preachers are messengers. Not only them actually. All of us are messengers. All of us. How can they, how can they what? And how will they preach unless they are commissioned and sent? Not went. Sent. Must be sent. When you are sent, you are authorized. When you are sent, the one that sends you is their mission to make sure that you succeed? Or is their responsibility to make sure that you succeed? The one who sends you. If I send my child to the shop, I need to enable them to buy. Are you with me? The one who sends you enables you to do what he sent you to do. But the ones that went... They have to make sure they succeed themselves because they went. Who sent them? Hello? If I send you to lead a department in this church, you leading the department is as good as I am leading it. And everyone under you in the department must hear from you as if they are hearing from me. Hello? If God called me to this church to shepherd this church and I represent God, then whatever I say, you listen to it as if it's God speaking to himself. Speaking himself. I didn't hear amen. 
Amen. When you are married and you have a husband and God says submit to him as unto the Lord. That's actually right there. That's, that's my evidence. Submit to your husband as unto the Lord. But Lord, he's got mistakes. He's not the Lord. Submit to him as if he's me. I didn't say submit to him as if he's me because he's perfect. Submit to him as if he's me because I say so. Period. We like eating our own things. You know, whatever God says, take it as it is. Stop eating your own thing. I heard a preacher from America. He says, speaking something that sounds good, I had trouble. I listened to it and I was like, this sounds good, but this is not scripture. He says, any husband that does not have a vision, that does not um, uh, uh, have the principles of God, that does not pray, that does not do all these things, they, do, they don't have a right to expect their wives to submit to them. That sounds good, right? That's not the Bible. The Bible does not say so. The Bible did not say so. That's why it's very important you choose who you marry because you marry a moho, you are stuck. God won't excuse your disobedience because he is misleading you. You will marry the misleader. Submit. The only, the only thing that you are exempted from is to submit to, to sin. That's the only thing. But if he says, hey, God has called us to Zambia and God did not call you to Zambia, you must submit and follow. And you get to Zambia and you crash. Sorry, baby, I thought I heard from the Lord. And then he comes tomorrow. God has called us to Zimbabwe. You must submit. Go to Zimbabwe. Because at the end of your life, God is going to ask you, I told you to submit. But Lord, no buts. No buts. No buts. Otherwise, you'll find yourself pulling one way and your head pulling another way. You can't have two heads. There's a monster. A marriage with two heads, that's a monster marriage. And God can't be there, bless anything. God don't bless monsters. Order. I'm going deeper. Né? God blesses what? Order. Say order. What if my husband is stubborn does not hear? Pray! My husband will hear from the Lord in the name of Jesus. My husband will obey the word of God. How many of you know Smith Wilkinsworth? I think it's his testimony. He was born again because of his wife. That man raised people from the dead. So what happened? His wife got born again. And he was giving his wife a hard time. Even, yes, that's him. That's him. He was, his wife, he was giving his wife a hard time. One day when she came back from a prayer meeting, he, he, she, she found doors locked. The husband locked the doors. Where do you come from? Habi, I'm coming from a prayer meeting. Yeah. Who sleep at church? 
She slept on the floor outside by the doorstep. In the morning, he opened the door. She got up and she said, good morning, my husband. And she went and made her breakfast. She went and made him breakfast. And she served him breakfast. That man was confused. What's going on here? The next time, he locked the doors. Slept by the door. Opened the door. Good morning, my husband. In the cold, went and made breakfast. Served him. That man is like, what's going on here? Quickly, give me 1 Peter 3. Is it 1 Peter 3 or 2 Peter 3, 2? 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter 3, quickly. This woman, this man, that's my last scripture. He, he, she, she got confused. He got confused. What's going on here? He's giving his wife a hard time, but she responds. In the same way, you wives be submissive to your own husbands, not someone else's husband, though. Your own. Okay? It says, subordinate, not as inferior, but out of respect for the responsibilities entrusted to husbands. Don't give me amplified, man. This is amplified, now. Give me New King James. It's still right, but I want the one that goes straight to the point. Are we getting a different translation, Tando? Wives, be submissive to your own husbands that even if some do not obey the word, in other words, they are not Christians, they are not believers. Even if some husbands do not obey the word, they, without the word, they that are not born again, may be warned by the conduct of your wives. They may be warned by what? The conduct of their wives. So the wife's powerful message is her conduct. The wife's powerful message is not necessarily what comes out of the mouth. Even though, yes, they can talk, they can reason. I'm not saying they shouldn't. But the most powerful one is her conduct. Continue. When those that are without the word, when they observe your chaste conduct, accompanied by fear, that word fear is respect, right? That's not the fear that you have towards a ghost. Uh -uh. It's respect. The Bible does not say, you know, be scared of your husbands. When they observe your chaste conduct, accompanied by fear, respect, He says, do not let your adornment be merely outward. Your adornment. Most of you guys, you adorned yourself today with lotion and stuff, whatever that you used to adorn yourself, right? Hello? Did you adorn yourself? Can I come closer to check? <laughs> do not let your adornment merely be outward. Arranging the hair, wearing gold, putting on fine apparel. He did not say you don't have to do those things. He says, don't let it be only those things. Okay, continue. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart. That's talking about your character. That hidden person is your character, the spirit. Let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty. So it says the beauty that is in the inside is 
incorruptible. It cannot be corrupted. The beauty that is outside can be corrupted. So if, 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 if you take pride in outside beauty, what will you do when outside beauty fades? Because outside beauty fades. If you attract a husband because of outside beauty, what are you going to do when outside beauty leaves? And if he's there only because of outside beauty, then he's not guaranteed to stay. Because any change that happens, his reason for being there is no longer there. Why must he still be there? And I'm not saying don't be beautiful outside. Men appreciate that because men are moved by what they see. So look beautiful. Do what you need to do to look beautiful. However, that's not, that should not be your only focus. The hidden person of the heart. The hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit. A gentle and a quiet spirit. A gentle and a quiet spirit is a certain kind of behavior from a woman. I don't want to, I shut up, leave me alone, you stupid husband. And then we wonder. And then we wonder, we, then you wonder. Hello? You failure, you can't even, you can't even do anything. Do you know that God wants to work together with the woman to bring the best out of the husband? I don't have time to talk about those things. Come to Greater Marriages on the 27th. With the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit. Listen, which is precious in the sight of God. A gentle and a quiet spirit is Precious in the sight of God. So this woman, she used to do that. And that man on his own, he started wondering, what kind of, what's happening to my wife? This church that she goes to, what's happening there? One Sunday, he walked up before the wife. And the wife was like, what's going on here? Because this man, every Sunday, he's sleeping. Because he's coming from, she was being obedient to a drunkard. She was being submissive to a drunkard, this woman of God. Hmm? Probably, imagine if she was the one who actually earned money to buy that very house. And the man locked it. What do you think women of today would have said? <laughs> is still your head even though you you're the one who paid the house what do you think a 2024 wife would have done not a GWCFC wife eh? you guess when she's busy with her friends you know he locked me up I slept on the floor and the wife says Mgani in whose house? In my house. Whose money bought the house? My money. He locked you out of your house that you bought with your own money. Ouch. 
Awekchwael mkan, wakchwael. Waktelel. The counsel that we get from the streets. Yet in the same situation, God says, be submissive because your conduct will win him over. Your conduct. I was, I was telling my wife this story. I, I've, I have, I have a, a, there's a client that I used to have. And uh, this client, um, she was divorced. And um, so one day she was talking with me. This was like some years ago, almost, almost maybe about five years ago or something. And Pastor Felix, she says to me that um, her husband divorced her and married um, the lady that was working for the husband. And, and I said, no, man, how can you do that? And I was, studying, I was about to blame the husband. And she says to me, the lady, she says to me, I don't blame my husband. I said, huh? What do you mean? He says, Sham, that woman, if being a wife to him, she's still the same as she was when she was working under him, and then he's got himself a good wife. I'm like, what do you mean? He says, I was rude. I was disrespectful. I was arrogant. I did not have any respect for my husband. But that woman, the way she used to address my husband, the way she used to affirm him, the way she used to conduct herself around him, no wonder she won his heart. He says, I've learned the hard way. He says, Mina, in daughter, a man. I did not see a man as nothing, she said to me. But I had to humble myself. I had to listen. If women knew the power they have, she said to me, if women knew the power they have, that they can make their husbands, you know, do anything if they can just carry themselves properly. He said, God has given every woman a tool, a powerful tool, but we are misusing it by disrespecting our husbands. He says, I learned it the hard way. The more you disrespect your partner, the more you're pushing him further and further and further and further away. And I know you might say, no, why are you only talking to the wives? I'm going to be talking about this now. There are parts that are for a husband. I don't have time to go into. Come to greater marriages. Amen? I didn't, I didn't think I'll go this direction. But all I'm saying is that let's learn to obey scripture because the power that you want is in scripture. The happiness that you want is in scripture. The life that you want is in scripture. Amen? Amen? Scripture. It may, it may feel old-fashioned. It may sound old-fashioned. But there is power in it. Every woman wants to be loved. And every man wants to be respected. What Romans is to the woman, respect is to the man. Am I saying it right? Is it right? So, Romans to a woman is, you know, uh, uh, um, 
being gentle, being loving, being caring, uh, uh, being considerate, always showering her with gifts and telling her beautiful things, how amazing and special and beautiful you are and stuff like that. That's Romans to the woman. When you do that to a woman, she feels loved, she feels appreciated, she feels special. A man does not need that. You don't tell a man, you are so special, you are so beautiful. No, a man don't need that. So, that which I describe is romance. That is being romantic to a woman. Oh, my angel. Oh, you're so beautiful. You are a flower among flowers. When you came in my life, everything brightens up. You must look at her face right now. She's already glowing because I am ministering to her. I'm addressing her needs. So she's glowing. I'm not going to glow when she does that to me. They, they gave me flowers. I, did not, I got confused. I did not glow. With a man, you do it differently. I endured I am a man. Huh? My king. Huh? My king. Endured I am. My wife the other day, uh, she was looking at me. And I'm like, why are you looking at me like that? She says, I'm begging dot I am. I, I felt like, yo. Like, yo. Yeah. It's like, I, 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 I'm, I'm looking at my man. I said, I said, I said, o, 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 I just wanted to hear that phrase, in dot I am. I was like, woman, what do you want me to do for you? Whoa, whoa, name it, name it, I will do it now. Let me tell you, ladies, when you make your man feel like he is the king, he will treat you like a queen. Whatever you ask, if you have said, in fact, <laughs> imagine, imagine, okay, it's my last story, right? My last story, my last story. Imagine, right? You have an appointment with your lady friends, wife. And they come to your house and you ask your husband, baby, can you please excuse me and the, and the ladies, we want to have a good time as ladies here in the house. Baba Nyatel. Okay, baby, you can go ahead. He says, okay, fine. I will go and visit my pastor friend or I'll go watch soccer with my friends. Okay. And then, what time are the ladies coming? Baba, they're coming at one o'clock. Okay. Half past 12, I'm leaving. Nyabonga, baba. Are we finishing around five? Say, is that okay? No, it's okay, my baby. You can finish whenever you want. Okay. And then half past 12, he leaves. And then halfway, he says, Ish, he forgot his wallet. The lady's already in the house. He says, Ish, I don't want to disturb, but I want to sneak into my... He wants to sneak into his house, not to disturb you and your lady friends. Right? And then he parks maybe outside so that you don't hear the car. And then he goes through the back door and he sneaks in the house. And then as he's about to go to his room, he overhears you talking about him, telling your friends, you know my man is a man among men. You know my man, the way I love that man, the way he does his thing, I respect him so much. I brag about this man. I will stand by this man. I will support him in every way. And he's listening. And the more he hears, 
What are you doing? What, what, your words are building him up. The thing is, you don't know the, the, the effectiveness of this principle, though. You think respecting a man is to lower yourself down. Uh-uh. Only women that are above know how to uplift their men. He says, and the other wife says, no, Mina. The other, the other lady says, my, me, my husband will never tell me anything. He'll never tell me anything. He says, my sister, not in my house. In this house, my man is the head. In this house, I support my man. And he's listening. He's listening. You don't know he's listening. And then he gets his wallet, gets in the car, he goes. And then he's thinking about what his woman was saying. And he comes back home. And when he gets to his friends, they're starting to criticize him. You listen to your wife all the time. A, a husband that listens to a wife, a husband will only listen to a wife when the wife is respectful. And when the husband says, listen to a respectful wife, the friends, they start saying, this man is bewitched. They say we are bewitched. They say a man is bewitched when a man listens to his wife. Are you with me? I want to be bewitched. Baby, bewitch me. Bewitch me in the name of Jesus. I want to do what you say. Hello? This is marriage counseling for free. For free. You don't have to go to a Sangoma to bewitch your husband. Respect him. He will do what you say. Yeah, it may not happen overnight. I know. But I promise you, it works. It works. Amen? And imagine that husband coming back to their wife and the wife asks for something. Says, baby, I've got a function I need to attend. Can you please buy this dress for me? Yes, my baby. Even though he does not have money, he will make a plan. He will make a plan. Hello. So, two weeks ago, I'm done, Pastor Lizanne. I said it was the last story. You don't want me to tell the most because this one is about you. Okay. So we went away two weeks ago. We went to Mpumalanga. It was a birthday. But the trip was not for the birthday. So, but her birthday, we left on her birthday. So, you know, she's the one with technology and all these things. I'm not there. I'm not there. I'm very slow with these things, with social media technology. She's very quick. If I want something get done, I give it to her. She does it. So she organized there where we're going and stuff like that, where we're going to stay. I don't know where we're going, but I know it's her birthday. And I'm like, I need, I want us to have a romantic dinner when we get there. But I don't know where we're going. And I don't want her to know. So, because in our marriage, there's no privacy. I took her phone. This one. This is my wife's solo. 
And I opened it because it opens with my fingerprint. Yeah, I did it intentionally. <laughs> I, I will lock it again, no? Uh, that's my wife's phone. It's not mine. Uh, I opened it. So I went to the bathroom with her phone and I closed the door. And I checked. And I found where she was making, you know, arrangements for us to sleep. And I got, I got the name of the place. And I went on Google. I could not find the number. And I went again. I went, and I went into her emails. They emailed her. I know they have to email now look, 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 and I found their number, phone number, the emails. And then I left the phone. And then I phoned them. I said, I believe you've got a reservation for, from Q Ranyane. They said, yes. I said, yes, I'm the husband. Oh, yes, sir, what can we do? I'm like, I want, when we arrived, my wife to find our bedroom very beautiful with romantic stuff. Can you buy flowers and roses and do whatever? I will pay when I get there. I'm going to be a very paid for accommodation. Hey, was it some places? They said, no, say, we don't do that. Like Ninja, don't you know customer service? I said, fine. Do you know any expensive restaurant around the area? They said, yeah, it's 30 minutes away from us. I'm like, it's fine. A car can reach there. Yeah. I said, can you give me their numbers? They gave me their numbers. I phoned the restaurant. I said, can I make a reservation for tonight? Say, what's the occasion? Say, it's my wife's birthday. Oh, yes. And I want you to make our table very special and very nice. Say, yes, sir. What time will you be arriving? Between half past seven and eight o'clock, we will be there. Yeah. So now, she, because she's a little bit independent, before we leave, she says, she says, baby, can we please go out for dinner tonight? <laughs> when you preach, you will say your nose. When are you preaching? On, on Women's Day, Mother's Day. So you can do. Why? I did not like the fact that she asked something that I was already doing. Because, yes, I told her not to expect much for her birthday. That was just a trap. I said, baby, you know me, I'm not big on birthdays. Don't expect much. I wanted her to not to expect much. And then I go, boom. <laughs> but you can't. You can't with this one. She's already expecting much. So I have to go much, much. And I said, okay, fine. And then I got her address. I got her address. You want to go home or you want me to show you the, how she looked? Must I close the service or must I show you how she looked? Huh? You want to see? Tando, come here. Come here, come here, come here. So I want to go buy her address. Hallelujah. And um, for her to wear on, on our evening night. Hallelujah. She has it on her phone. Ask her to show it to her. To show it to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She will open it. She's obedient. She's a submissive wife. Yeah. She's a submissive wife. So, she put on the dress. We got there. We arrived, I think, around six. We freshened up. And then, uh, I said, let's go out for your birthday. 
And she did not know. So she thought the dress was her birthday present. Ah, uh-uh. ah. I had already sorted her gift. And I sneaked it into the car when she did. I was acting like a, a macho man. I grabbed her bags while she was getting ready before we left. I put her gift was in my car. And uh, we were using Pumzile's car. Now Pumzile blessed us with her new car. Says, Pastor, leave your cars. Take my new car for your holiday. Imagine, I was driving in the car with no number plate. Tumpumalang. What love? I went to God's window for the first time. I thought it was a window. There was no window there. But it was just, you know, the view. Beautiful. So, baby, quickly with the picture now. So, <laughs> I don't do this often. Let me do it. So, so I sneaked the gift in the car. So she already dressed to get out for dinner. And when the bill came, I was smiling in my heart. Roba, shakalamante, shoko, Lord, have mercy. It's like, baby, is everything okay? Don't worry, my love. Everything is fine. I went to the bathroom. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> but it was worth it because it was for something that I value because of the respect I get at home. So I want to go all out. Did you get the picture? Quickly, quickly now. Yeah. And remember, I bought it without her. She was not there. How did you know her size? I know her now. <laughs> How do you know her height? I see her now. Amen. They are lying to you when they say marriage is not good. Marriage is nice. Marriage is God's idea. A marriage is beautiful. A marriage is powerful. Bring that photo now. People want to go home and eat lunch. And then we came back from the restaurant. Beautiful restaurant. I mean, when we got there, she wanted to go sit down. Like, ah, baby, I had to pull the chair back. She sat down and pulled it back in. No one pulled my chair. I pulled it myself. And I sat down. And yet a woman want to be treated like queens. So act and behave like a queen. I kept asking her, yeah, that's, that's, that's the place we went for dinner. That's the dress that I bought. I was about to ask, can you show it from behind? Where's the one where we are sitting down? You didn't give them the one sitting down. Your pastor. Pastor. Amen? So I try, I try to practice what I preach. Okay, take it off now. They are single men looking now. And when we came back from the dinner, she thought I was done. So while she was busy freshening and taking off her makeup, I went to the car now. And I grabbed a big bag like this. I do not buy these things with your offering money. Uh uh-uh. uh. Uh uh. Go check. It was not your offering money. I sow seeds. God blesses me. 
with the harvest. How? And then, while she was busy in the bathroom, I left the bag on the bed. Acted like, you know, she came out of the bathroom and she was stuck. And I said, but wait, there's more. <laughs> Amen. How are you guys? I hope you came to church. Praise God. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give God a praise. <laughs>